Hi, my name is Aisha McGowan, also known as a Quick Brown Fox. This is Quick Brown Foxes, a project where I will attempt to answer the question, how do we get more women of color into cycling, by asking women of color how they got into cycling. This week, we'll meet Laura Solis. She is my best friend for life, Biffle, and also the co-host of our podcast, Fix It Black Jesus. I would like to thank Cannondale, Assos, SRAM, Lake, Scratch Labs, and Carmichael Training Systems for all of their support. I would also like to encourage you to visit my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash aquickbrownfox where you can become a supporter too. For more information on me or anything I'm up to, visit www.aquickbrownfox.com. And now, without further ado, I give you Laura Solis. Laura Solis from the Bronx, New York, temporarily residing in Portland, Oregon. All right. That's what it is. Tell me your story. In the beginning. <laughs> all right. So I learned to ride a bike when I was 17. There was a boy. He was like, yo, let's go ride bikes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to do that. And he was like, what? And I was like, word. And so then we went to his garage. He pulled out two of the bikes. And then- But we knew this boy oh, for he, a while. He was, like, my, you didn't just... he was my boyfriend at the time. Okay. So we didn't just follow a stranger yeah. to a garage. Stranger danger is real. Um, so then he took me to the top of a hill. And he was like, okay, you ready? And I was like, ready for what? And he's like, okay, here you go. And he pushed me while I was on the bicycle down said hill. See, the problem with this issue, with this approach, is that I didn't know the brakes. Um, I didn't know. This was my first time as an adult. Well, I was 17 on a bike. But anyway, so I went down the hill. And wait, I got wait, this the, was your first time ever on a bike or just as mm, an adult? As in, as close to an adult. The first time I was on a bike, I was like seven and I bailed because a car was coming and I didn't know brakes then either. Anyway. <laughs> this so, is a pattern. This is a pattern. So this time went down the hill and I got the balance thing immediately. So I guess the hill approach worked in that regard. However, there was a car that was parked, was opening their door. So this is before I knew the term dooring. And I was gonna try and avoid them, but then someone was crossing the street with a very small dog, which I'm sure was a chihuahua. So I didn't want to hit the chihuahua, but I also didn't want to hit the door. And so what I remember is I was on the ground and I was bleeding. Wait, 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 this was 17 or seven? 17. Oh, geez. Okay. Seven was a lot less traumatic, but despite that, it took 10 years for me to get back on a bike. Um, <laughs> so it was... It was traumatic It, it was traumatic. Mm-hmm. But to that extent, I will say it was traumatic, but I also didn't have access to a bicycle. That was my cousin's bike. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment when I was seven with my mom. Um, having in the a Bronx. Bi- in the Bronx. So having a bicycle would have been a luxury that we could not have afforded anyway. So me not having a bike had perhaps more to do with finances and space in a one-bedroom apartment than me being traumatized because I mean I my knees are still skinned from when I was a child I mean I have it's healed but the scars are still there (laughs) there you go um I was bleeding about five minutes later I met his grandma who happened to live on that hillside but not in the same house with the garage not in the same house with the garage a different house she lived in the neighborhood though Mm -hmm. um I met her she was a very nice lady she was adorable I dare say um, she cleaned me up. 
I remember I was wearing pajama pants because that was a cool thing to do when I was 17. Oh, jeez. Yeah, they were green <laughs> and blue, but they had a hole in them Were now. they plaid? They were plaid. Oh. Did you have the same ones? Probably. Okay, they were cool, maybe. <laughs> anyway, um, and that's how I learned to ride a bike. And then it took... I have to do math, but let's say, let's pretend I was 22 years old when I got on a bike again. And this was because another boy was like, yo, I see you have this small bike in your living room. Let's go for a bike ride. And I was like, oh, no, nah, that's just for decoration. Because it was cute. It was this little foldable Peugeot that my mother had somehow come across. And I was like, oh, I want that because it was cute. Um, but so he, you had a bike. I had got, I had some, I had acquired a bike with in the time I was 17 till I was 22 from my mom who got one from somebody. You once told me that you, she it was like an estate thing? Like yeah. somebody died? Yeah, somebody died and somehow became my mama's. And so then it became mine. What possessed your mom to take the... I actually have Peugeot? no idea. Maybe because it was cute. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes that's all it's taking. It was really cute. It was little. It was foldable. Although it. it had never been folded. But you know. Good times with that bike. Um, so he was like, oh, let's take let's go for a bike ride and again I emphasize how it was for decoration and he was like nah and this was a different boy this was a different boy okay mm -hmm. um and I was like I guess I'll have to take it to a bike shop first because I knew diddly squat about bikes at that time and so I took it to a bike shop which now in retrospect I recognize that this person's bike shop was not in a convenient location it was on the second floor walk up I was, was thinking an apartment? Maybe, but it was like the inside didn't look like anyone lived there. It looked like a legitimate it bike, was a shop. bike shop. It just so happened to be on the second floor. Mm, this was an idea. This was in New Rochelle. He came down. New Rochelle? I lived in the North Bronx. New Rochelle was not this far. Is true. From me. <laughs> this was not See, far. For me, at all. that sounds real far. Nah, this was like within five miles of where I lived. Yes. So correct, I, I correct. literally lived a mile from Westchester. So this worked out fine. Um, the shop owner came down, volunteered to actually bring it up. He fixed it all up. I gave him money. I bought a bike lock because he said that was yes, important. that's how service works. Right. I bought a bike lock. So he was good. He, he sold me on the things. I bought lights. And then the boy was like. Did you get a helmet? I definitely had a helmet because I was afraid. So I definitely bought that helmet beforehand. Or I borrowed someone's. I don't distinctly remember it. But I had a helmet. He was like, so where are we going to go? And that's when I had been following the New York City Roller Derby people on Facebook and on their Yahoo group because I thought I was going to do roller derby, but then I discovered they practiced in Brooklyn, so <laughs> that wasn't going to work for me. Um, but they were going to have a, uh, I think they call it a bout, it's like when they do little, when they go against another team. They had announced that they were going to have uh, an event, and I was like, I want to go. It's in the boonies of Brooklyn. And I told this boy, and he was like, how about we take the train? Because, of course, I had looked up how to get there by public transportation. And in order to get there, you had to take the two or the five train to the last stop. Mind you, I lived on, like, the fourth to last stop in the Bronx. So it was going to be a long-ass bike ride. But not a long-ass bike ride, a long-ass train ride. So he had suggested we take the train to the last stop and then ride our bikes from the train to... Gotcha. I think it's called Floyd Bennett. Or Floyd Bennett Field. That one. There you go. And so I was like, okay, it sounds like a great idea. What I didn't know was that one, we were going to be in Flatbush. Oh, that's not an easy first ride. Bye.
Just for a little bit of perspective, if she had ridden the entire ride on her bike, it would have been 31.4 miles. So for her to go from the tippity top of the Bronx to the tippity bottom of Brooklyn was no small feat, even if she was doing a bike train bike combo. Oh, oh, hold up. Rewind. So, okay. That morning, before I meet this boy for the bike ride, I decided to tell myself, you know what? Let me practice because it had been five years since I had ridden a bike. So let me make sure I still know how to do it. So I took me and my very small bicycle to the courtyard where I was living. Remember, it was early in the Sunday, on a Sunday morning. And I rode around in circles. And I remember this older woman looking out her window, just smiling from ear to ear as she watched me ride this bike. How old were you at this point? I was like 22, but she was probably on like the fifth floor of the building. I probably looked like a child to her. So she was happy very to see, small. you know, a beautiful, small black child riding their bike in the morning. This is probably what she thought. Or she recognized that I was a strong black woman <laughs> that happened to be riding their bike early in the morning. Um, so I got that down. And then I had to figure out how to get from my house to the train station. And so I looked up the walking directions on Google and was like, oh, I could just take the sidewalk. But mm. then I had learned because I'm Laura, I had learned all the rules of biking and I knew I couldn't do that. So I was like, oh, I could walk the bike to the train because you Which can't take how far. Um, like 1.2 miles. Oh, that makes me sad. And in New York, you can't take your bike on the bus like you can in no, Portland. But... I said F it and I rode my bike to the train station anyway. It was early on a Sunday morning. I live in a neighborhood that had, I want to say, more churches per capita for a city than most in in the country, actually. That is to say, most people on a Sunday morning are in church in my neighborhood. So mm -hmm. there weren't a lot of cars on the road. So I was safely on the public streets of the Bronx, heading, going my 1.2 miles, took the elevator with my bike at, to the train, met the boy somewhere, and off we went. And then we get out the train and it's Flatbush. And I hadn't thought about the fact that it's Flatbush. And that was terrifying to ride from the Flatbush train station to Floyd Bennett Field. It was also the longest bike ride I'd ever Wait, done. you have the boy with you at this point? At this point, yes. We took the train okay. together um, into Brooklyn. Why was it terrifying for you? Well, I was riding my bike on a heavily trafficked, trafficked arterial road in the middle of the day i'm gonna I'm you were gonna, on flatbush avenue on flatbush avenue proper okay um on the street because i knew i couldn't legally ride my bike on the sidewalk and you followed the law riding with traffic and i remember at one point i asked to stop so we get some water <laughs> i don't know how long this ride is in my mind it's a 15 mile ride in real life it's probably five if that i will look it up uh later because now i <laughs> Now I the now people I need, to, need know. to know. Um, it could very well no. It's not fifteen. It's, it's definitely not, not fifteen. It's not fifteen. <laughs> it is not. It really isn't. It probably took me as long to ride there as if it had been fifteen, which is fine. But it was that my is first. Not an it, easy first ride. It was my first ride. Laura and I looked up the distance, and it was exactly three point seven miles. We finally get there. My legs are burning. So many people passed us. You know, it's a folding bike. It's a folding bike that even with the seat extended, which I had not extended it yet because I didn't even know that was a thing you could do with a bicycle, was too small for me. Um, so people were passing us. There were roads. We, You know, it was 
terrifying but exhilarating at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was, there were mixed emotions. So we finally get to where we're going. I was sweating in places. I didn't even know I had sweat glands. <laughs> I remember distinctly going to the bathroom to check myself to make sure I wasn't. I wanted to know what the source of the moisture was and sat down, enjoyed the game. I have no idea who won. Most likely New York did because they have a kick-ass team as well. And then it was time to go back home. And I remember as we start riding, it's getting dark and it's starting to rain. And I want to say that the rain was more of a motivator for me to ride my ass faster because the way my hair is set up, mm. a black girl hair, you go ride fast. So I remember going faster than the other boy. It might have also been downhill. Shut up. <laughs> the point is I rode faster than I did going. Why can't you let me have that? Let me have my W. So... Rode there. That was awesome. Got on the train. Because you can take your bike on the train, but you can't take it on the bus. And then fast forward. Yes, Fibro Bike Tour. New York City's actually the country's largest um, charity ride with over 30,000 people was going to happen the following year. This was going to be the first year that they were going to have a lottery to determine who was going to be able to even register for the ride. And I told baby Jesus, baby Buddha, and his cousin Mohammed and them, if y'all pick me, I will buy me a grown-ass bike. I knew that this bike, it was not a very comfortable bike. So it was cute, The though. folding. The folding bike. The, the little Peugeot. Yes. Oh, oh. The little Peugeot that could. The little Peugeot that could and did. Um, And that summer, because this is how I got introduced to the Fibro Bike Tour, and because the way I'm set up, I Googled mm-hmm. how to bike in the Bronx. That's literally what I put into a Google search. How to bike in the Bronx. Because it didn't seem possible. <laughs> I, I felt like there were a lot of obstacles to do this. Were there any bike lanes when you started riding in the Bronx? I'm sure they existed. Somewhere. In limited, in even more limited capacity than they do now. None of them were in my neighborhood. And that I can, I know for certain. Um, because I'm not counting the greenways. So that said, an organization called Bike the Bronx came up. There you go. Right? Break like, my they, they gotta know. They, they, I, these must be my people. So I went to a meeting there. I learned all about transportation, uh, bike advocacy. And because they introduced me to the organization's transportation alternatives and the YMPJ, the young, ooh, I don't know what YMP, YMPJ stands for. We look it up. We'll I'm pretty sure up. Justice is in there somewhere. YMPJ stands for Youth Ministries for Peace and Justice. I showed up to the meeting after work. I learned about these other organizations. I learned that they were trying to make the bike more bikeable. (laughs) And I was like, oh, these are my people. And they also had brought up the Fibro Bike Tour for some reason. And so fast forward, I learned about a class that uh, Bike New York was doing. Bike New York is who hosts the Fibro Bike Tour. And it was a class, it was... um, how to, I don't remember the name, but it was how to ride your bike in traffic. It was a two-part class. The first part was a clinic, two-part clinic. First one was in a classroom setting. I remember there was a woman that was hosting the class. There were slides and it literally told you like where you should be positioned in the street to make turns, right turns, left turns, how you should yield to pedestrians, so forth so and so on. So you found this very helpful. I most certainly did. I felt empowered. The second part was a clinic. There were cones. It was, you know, and there were marshals. And, and you actively rode. You actively rode. And someone fixed my bike. It was a three-speed. 
Peugeot, but it only mm. had one working speed. <laughs> I mean, and then it happens. And then the marshal for the ride was like, "Hey, I can fix your bike." Because I was like, "Can you? Do you know how to make it work?" And he just, I want to say, he tickled the bike because that's what it looked like from my perspective. Now I know he was adjusting the chain tension of the <laughs> internal hub, but I didn't know that then. It just looked like he put his fingers underneath the bike and tickled it, and then it, <laughs> and then it worked. It's and magic. I was, I was like, wow, this man got the magic touch. He fixed my bike. It's worth noting that Laura Solis is now a certified bike mechanic. She was a 2018 recipient of the Quality Bicycle Products Women's Bike Mechanics Scholarship. Pretty cool. Fast forward, all the baby Jesuses, Muhammads, and all of them, they picked my name out the hat. Now I got to do the Fibro Bike Tour, and I had said, I'm going to get me a grown-ass bike if I get picked. So I had to do it. So that was in February. By March 30th, 2012, I had picked out my bike. I had done my bike shopping. I went to several shops. Of course, I wanted to bike the Bronx, but that one bike shop on Westchester Avenue was being trashed, so I couldn't do it. Anyway, no so, names. so I wound up, yeah, no names, just the one on Westchester Avenue in the Bronx underneath the six train. <laughs> so the other one, so I wound up all the way downtown on, what's that, Lafayette and Prince at Bicycle Habitat because I just felt welcome. That one's not there anymore, right? It's not there. And you want to know what is a huge coinky thing there? The day I moved to Portland was the day that they were moving out of that space. Ain't that some sh- Anyway. So I went there because after all the bike shops I had gone to, that's the one where I Im- immediately felt welcomed. Um, I had also looked online for bikes and I figured out that I needed a yellow one. So they had a yellow one on their website too. So that helped put it on the list. Showed up, got my bike, picked out all my things. And then I was like, how do I train for this bike ride? So I did what more, you know, what I do. You, you guys already know my MO. I went to the internet, but this mm-hmm. time I specifically went to Twitter. And I was like, hey, Bike NYC, hashtag Bike NYC. I got accepted <laughs> to the Vibro Bike Tour. How do I train for this? In retrospect, anyway. I, I In retrospect, say, finish your sentence. Sorry. In retrospect, I recognize how fortunate I was to have this community of strangers be so welcoming to Yo, me on the, on the internet because I literally knew none of these people. Twitter is clutch. I had, lo- I had like plugged into Bike NYC maybe a few weeks prior to that and been like stalking that like what, whoever used that hashtag. But when I asked, I had so many suggestions and I particularly remember and I'm, I'm sorry that I don't remember her name. But there was one person in particular that was like, well, ride your bike to work every day. My ride to work would have been five miles at that time. It was amazing and I was blessed to have that commute because that was the last time I ever had a five mile commute in my life. But anyway, um, and so I did that. I just rode my bike those 10 miles every single day leading up oh, to the fiber bike there tour. And, and so I did that every day and I was like, really, that's gonna be enough? And she's like, you know, you want to get your body accustomed to being on a bike in more ways than one, like sitting on a saddle, which, now you don't think about that stuff anymore after you're riding your bike for so long, but... But at this point, at this you point, had your grown-up bike. I had my grown yeah. Was it the BFG? It was the BFG. The BFG, appropriately named after Raul Dahl's children's book, The Big Friendly Giant, was Lara's first quote-unquote grown-ass bike. It was a wonderful bike, an excellent fit for Lara, and it had all the bells and whistles of a well-researched commuting machine. Did I ever tell you that I had never mounted a full 
700 cc size bike before so what the first time i rode that bike was to my first we bike meeting uh -huh. that i had learned about from the twitters mm -hmm. and i had never mounted a full-size bike because i learned to ride a bmx bike that was the first bike i ever rode with the first boy and the second bike was a foldable bike so i never had to like kick my leg over on a big ass bike the, <laughs> the biggest tire i had ever ridden was a 16 incher so, Which would be comparable like a BMX bike or? Um, the Peugeot had a 16 inch wheel. The BMX bike probably had either a 12 or a 16. So gotcha. essentially what you see on kids bikes, right? On bigger kids bikes. So when I, and when I bought my bike at Bicycle Habitat, they asked me if I wanted to do a test ride. I was like, nah, I'm good. I never test rode that bike. I was just, I, I. You'd already done all the Google research. I had already done the Google research and I trusted that Jose, that's his real name, was like leading me in the right direction and so and i'm like i know it's a bike it's gonna work so like what i didn't under even i didn't even understand why i would want to test ride it because what would i be checking for that the brakes work i never needed them before so like <laughs> why what would i be checking for um i didn't need that information to feel confident that i'd purchased the right bike because i had a list of questions when i went into the shop that was and it's probably still on my phone actually of what i wanted to do on that bike because twitter told me to do that um, bike NYC hashtag specifically was like go you know figure out what you want to do with the bike and then make sure the bike you get can help you do those things which was ride my bike or rather ride to work there are a lot of potholes um and I might need to ride my bike to Brooklyn those are like the three big things oh and I want to be able to put a, a paneers on it because I knew I might go grocery shopping with it so when I went to the bike shop mm -hmm. as you walk to it to these to this bike when we got to the fork in the road which was like does she want a girly bike quote unquote versus a more sporty bike which a girly bike can be sporty but to say this was mm -hmm. you could see this was what was on his mind i was like don't worry i don't want those bikes he was like okay and so then that's when we got to so it was like linus section yes is this what you look no we not no that, that i don't i don't want okay that. Mind you, I did have a beautiful bell on my bike, and I wanted my bike to be yellow, but the yellow bike I had picked out was a mountain bike, apparently, and that's not what I needed. So. And you didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that at the time. I just knew it was yellow. But did Jose... Jose told me... Because of the list that you had of the things you wanted to do. He's like, you know how you want to ride to Brooklyn? That's a long distance. The way this mountain bike is set up, it might <laughs> slow you down. So if you want to get it, cool, but I want you to be well-informed. And we this like Jose. was another reason why I didn't feel it was necessary to get a test ride, because... He allowed me to feel confident in my decision because he just laid out the information and allowed me to make a choice and like checked off the box. So how did you know it would fit? Oh, he did that. Like I had to get on it and like you okay. just stand on it. You just didn't it. ride it. Yeah, I didn't have to ride. I didn't ride it. Like he, you know, held the handlebar or I pedal backwards, you know, that okay. kind of thing. So I had never mounted a grown ass bike before. And so when I was going to my first wee bike meeting at, I forget the name of the bike shop where Liz worked. Bike Works. Oh, well, look at that. Let me see. <laughs> yes. Right? It was bike works. Um, I, they're gone too. What the hell? Cause yeah. rent, rent too damn high. Probably. That's why it was Lower East Side. That's why it's so a political that party. Yeah, that gentrification was real. I can't quit. Um, I walked the bike first all the way to Houston. I walked to Houston. I remember. Oh, making so a... you went directly from Bicycle Habitat to the meeting. I walked my bike to Second Avenue. To what's that park where they did the bike polo? Laura is referring to the pit, the go-to place for bike polo in New York City, located just beneath Delancey between Christie Street and Forsyth. I walked it to there because I needed a free space to mount the bike for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. And so 
I walked into there. There weren't a lot of people there. And I mount, I thought about, because I needed a reference. I'm like, how do people get on bikes? Not something anyone usually gives any thought to. But I thought about it. It's a thing. I remember having that moment and feeling self-conscious about it, which is why I couldn't do it on the street. And I also knew I couldn't just ride in the street. Mind you, in front of Bicycle Habitat, there is a bike lane. Um, so I got on the bike and who I referenced were delivery people because those are the people who I'm used to seeing on bikes in the Bronx because they deliver my Chinese food, they deliver my pizza, so forth and so on. So those are the, that was my first point of reference of how to ride a bike where how do the delivery people get on a bike, which is very basic, but I'm just sharing because this was a big part for me. I got on the bike, rode probably three minutes and got to the wee bike. It's very close. But for your first Girl. solo ride. And I had to, there were stop signs. There's more signs and it, it was different. And so anyway, I got to my wee bike meeting. I remember everyone being bright eyed and bushy tailed and excited. And yes, it was very a welcoming. very welcoming group. And then the next obstacle was learning how to lock my bike. So I had bought a chain lock. and Like a big New York lock? Yes. The kryptonite? It was not the new, it wasn't the forget about it. I didn't have forget about it money. <laughs> I had orange money. So whatever one is like one level below. With the little code, it was like a seven and not like a 10. It was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a seven out of 10. Okay. It, so I couldn't like register it and get my money for my bike if it would have been stolen. But anyway, which it wasn't, is now on its third or fourth owner. The BFG lives on. Um, it took me easily like seven minutes to lock that bike because Jose had told me I needed to lock the wheels and it was very difficult to get the chain through the wheels and then there was a water bottle and I couldn't there wasn't there wasn't any bike parking so I was trying to get it around a lamppost and the lamppost that it was quite thick it was so challenging and did you figure it out on your own I did I was embarrassed because everybody had gone to the sandwich place and I told them I would meet them there and it was across the street from where I was locking on my bike and so I thought they could see me so I was feeling very self-conscious but I figured it out though so hey um and they, you know they let me live my life they nobody was like well where'd you go Laura no no one made me feel uncomfortable so shout out to y'all um I remember Helen Ho was there and Shelma June was there too and obviously Liz Joes. We Bike NYC would become a huge pillar in my bike journey and in Laura's bike journey. Founded by Liz Jose, it was a rad organization whose purpose was to give women a place to ride with other women. We would go to ride for food or for fun or for anything. And actually, it was a We Bike NYC clinic that led me to my first race. Um, so anyway, went to my We Bike meeting and they were going to do the Vibro Bike Tour. So I was like, yes, I have a gang, a bike gang. That's what, I can that's ride pretty with. much what they are. I can, <laughs> they're a badass bike gang that I can ride with. And I had already hit up the Twitters who was like, ride your bike every day before I got my big ass Is bike. Is it the bike train people? Yes. And I remember before I got my big bike, she was like, if you want, I had asked these questions before I got the BFG. And she was like, if you want, we can meet and do a couple loops of Central Park. And I remember saying to her, okay, but I only have a small bike. And she was like, that's fine. We can still ride your, you can still ride your small bike. I don't think she understood what I meant when I said I had a small bike. The Peugeot. The Peugeot to do laps in Central Park. And because we bike was, I guess they were starting their, it was going to, it was their first ride. It was a cookie ride. And I was like, yes, this will be my first bike ride with other people other than that boy. Um... (laughs) I never realized my bike was too small for the purposes I wanted until I met her and towards the end of the ride 
in some like most supportive, awesome way, she was like, hey, if you want to keep doing things like this, there will be other bikes that will help you. Like that will be better suited. But what I remember was I hadn't had breakfast, which you know that oh, was, I, you have I, to feed Laura. I set up myself up for failure. What I recall is we rode the bike. I rode my bike. She had a grown ass bike, like a 700cc bike. And we had to stop at some point. She's like, do you want a Gatorade? Um, because I was dying. Mm-hmm. We stopped at Jamba Juice uh, at Columbus Circle. So we locked up the bikes. Then we left and then we started riding again. And she's like, oh, look who got their second win. Laura needed to eat. That's all that was. Usually. Laura usually. needed to eat. So we riding, we pedaling, we going, we going. And then Harlem Hill come up. And she was like, Laura, if you need to walk, it's okay. We gonna walk together. So she got off her bike and walked with me. So that's love. Shout out to Kimberly. Shout, shout out to her. Because again, mind you, I didn't have any other reference. So let's just say she imprinted me with how to be a kind human on a bike with other people. I mean, I feel like I would have done that anyway because like my mama raised me right. But other people would have been like, I meet you at the top. And I probably would have felt bad that I was walking, you know, on my, you know, walking my bike up a hill. She was just like, oh, I just walk with you. And so she did. She, mind you, I recall it being a custom bike. She had a nice ass bike. I don't remember what components is on it, but I'm sure it must have been nice if it was custom. And it was green, too. Anyway, I remember we get to Harlem and that's where we're splitting. And I was invigorated. So we split. I remember riding and at at this point, I felt very confident riding my bike in Manhattan um, because I had done that bike class with the uh, with uh, Bike New York. So I, I was a full grown ass hippo on my bike. Okay, two things to mention here. Laura is referring to Kimberly Kenshin of Bike Train. Bike Train was really cool. It was a, a group where Kimberly was the conductor of the bike train, and if you lived along a regular route, they would pick you up and help you along your commute. So there was power in numbers, and everyone felt more safe. The second thing is, when Laura says she was a full-grown hippo, she is not actually a hippopotamus. It just means that she is riding with confidence and making herself feel bigger and not being intimidated by the cars and other road users. But at, at some point, I recall her telling me, you know, if you want to do the five borough bike ride, a different bike might be better suited mm-hmm. for that. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. And I had looked them up and I was like, $400, maybe that's how much I'm going to spend. And then they very easily sold me up to the $600 bike, which in retrospect was a great idea because I wound up riding the shit out of that bike. Um, and it was actually a good decision, like, for me to get the better componentry, because I rode, I rode my first century on that bike, so, um, against other people's recommendations, but screw y'all, what they should have told me was that I needed bike shorts. Why nobody told me I needed bike shorts? How I do a century without bike shorts? Come on, son, who are my (laughs) friends? And I knew you already, how you let me do the Fibro bike tour with nobody, no, that's the Fibro bike tour. You did not know me. Okay, so I was totally wrong about this. She definitely knew me. But in my defense, I didn't even own bike shorts at that point, so I couldn't have really helped her. (sighs) On further thought, that's a lie. I definitely had bike shorts. Sorry, Laura. Okay, because that's what people should have been telling me. They shouldn't have been like, oh, Laura, you don't want to do a century on a hybrid. Actually, that was never my intention. My intention was to do 40, 40 miles. But I just kept feeling so good. At every rest stop, 
and I was doing the bike ride by myself. So I just kept going. My attire for, I don't remember what I wore. Actually, I do. I was also cute for the fibro bike tour. I remember I wore this beautiful silk scarf around my neck. You I wore a silk scarf. Wore, well, because it was cold. Because, you know, you have to start at six in the morning. So I needed a scarf to cover my neck. It was a part of my layering plan, all right? I knew how to layer. But you, I had my polka dot leggings on. Yes, oh, I was fierce, girl. What? You couldn't tell me shit. So that was in May. In September of that year, of 2013, I did my first century and I rode wearing a tennis skirt. So it's like it had integrated shorts, my blue wee bike shirt, Converse. That was it. That was did my- Did you have toe clips? No, I still barely ride with toe clips. So I definitely, I, did you not hear me say I was wearing Converse? What toe clips on my Converse? I no, not clip. like, no, oh, clip yeah, less. I had cages. I meant like toe did cages. I have cages? Actually, I want to say, I don't know. I have a picture though. I know eventually I did get cages on that bike. I don't know if it had been at that. Actually, it must. Actually, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, eventually, I did get cages for that bike because where I lived in the Bronx. Hills. I remember. I recall. On, on, on the Hajj I made to get above 200th Street to see you. <laughs> oh, good times. That's how you know it was real. That's how you. That's how you. Which is why I guess on the uh, on a subconscious level, I'm like, how are you should let me do a century without bike shorts? So to end that story, though, with the non-bike shorts and how I learned I needed them was because by my, like, 60s... Was it the New York City Century? Yeah, the TA one. Which is in September. Mm-hmm. It was on September 9th, which I remember distinctively because it was my mama's birthday. Oh, and I think it was Sunday, and it'll be again that this year. So has it been 10 years? Is that how that works? I don't know. Anyway, moving on. I guess it'd be seven, but then there's leap year. Don't moving worry about on. it. Sorry. So all of that is to say, by, like, mile 60, I was still feeling strong... And I got so many comments from the mammals, the middle-aged white men in, in Lycra. Um, like, wow, go for it. Keep doing it. You're doing it wearing those. You're wearing chucks. I got so many comments like that. I know no better, first of all. <laughs> first of all. Second of all, I'm beating you up all these hills, so hold that, homie. Anyway, whoo, all this aggression. I just remember all these things now. So um, by like mile 75, it was a point of no return. I was in Queens. What was I going to do? Like, I had already decided, like, I'm going to keep going. I'm making this to 100. And I live in the Bronx. So, like, how am going to do this ride and not go to the Bronx? Because there is a way to not go to the Bronx if you do the 75. But I was like, but I got to my people. Mind you, who are my people? I had nobody riding the bikes in the Bronx with me at that time. But, like, everybody in the Bronx Did you have any black bike friends? I'm thinking real. I did have people of color that were my bike friends. Because Bike the Bronx is founded by Mel Rodriguez. So there were definitely people of color that were my homies by this point. But none of them were doing the bike ride with me. And so I remember not being able to feel more than one type of pain. So the types of pain I was feeling were from, you know, I was going to say my batachial. That is not, <laughs> that is not a biological, a real biological reference. But like, you know, my undercarriage was not pleased with the current situation of your constant lady pressure, parts. my lady parts. <laughs> and like I told you earlier today, my thighs know each other. So there was chafing because the tennis skirt was short. It was like poom poom shots, right? So, but not like literal, cause that'd be dangerous. <laughs> but to say 
Um, my thighs were rubbing the side of my saddle nose, or like, yeah, the side of the saddle. So I had chafing on my thigh from the rub of the saddle, in addition to my undercarriage being inflamed. <laughs> but I remember realizing, oh, and then of course, going up all these dang hills in the Bronx, my thighs was on fire. At what point in the ride was this? Post, like in Queens, heading to the Bronx. I've never done the century. So is this the end? This is, I'm between the 75th and 100th, so the last 25 miles. Okay. That, yeah, that's when, that's when everything is like, oh my God, can this end? Can this end while I'm ill prepared for this situation? (laughs) But I will say, partly why I felt so good, aside from physically bleeding, um, Mm -hmm. Or probably, I don't think I actually was bleeding, but chafing was at every single rest stop. I had a full ass meal. <laughs> I know now I know you're just supposed to have it like a snack. <laughs> I ain't bring no snacks. So to say at every at the end of every rest stop, which I spent like 25 minutes at, hey, I was do socializing. You? I'm I thought this is what you I didn't know the protocol. Which is, I was all the better for. But, but is, there is no protocol. That's better. You was having a good time. I, would, I did this ride at my own pace. I made new friends at every rest stop. And it was wonderful. And because of how my biology was working, I felt bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at the end of every rest stop. And it was ready to do another 20 miles. Because I started to look at it as just five 20-mile rides, which I knew I was capable of because I had ridden my bike to Brooklyn so many times at that point. But anyway, moving on. My body is aching. I didn't realize I could have so much pain, but I did realize that my body, for whatever reason, could only focus on one source of pain. So what I was doing was tricking my mind or just focusing on one source of pain whenever I felt it. So as I'm riding up the hill, if I focused on my quads, for example, I wouldn't notice how painful my, like that my ass was on fire. I would not notice that because I just felt the pain in my legs. So I just rotated the pain and made it go well and made it go faster. Didn't make it in time for the Bronx rest stop. So I only have four rest stops. I had hoarded bananas because I did this ride with my paneers. I did this with my rack and my paneers. Ain't nobody was telling me nothing. 100 miles. 100 miles. And even though I didn't buy the Linus bike, I did buy the Linus paneers. They were beautiful. This olive green with a brown little handle. Anyway, see, this is why I was so good at a bike shop. Because fast forward, right? I wind up working at a couple bike shops in my lifetime. It's not been that long of a life. The point is in my lifetime. And whenever people came in and they would ask, what's the right bike for me to do my first 50 mile mile ride? I want to do the, uh, what is it called? The power pedal, the bike, the bridges. There's all sorts of rides here in Portland. And I would tell them, the bike you have and you are probably capable of doing this ride. However, the advantages of this other bike will be X. Do you but know that this is what you're walking into. If you decide you want to do your first 100-mile ride on a hybrid, you definitely can do it. But your friend on the road bike that's clipped in, they're going to have an easier time. They're going to have an easier time. Will they slow down for you? Maybe, maybe not. So just, you might have to do the ride by yourself, but can you do it? Do you, yeah. You absolutely can. Do you need a road bike? No. Would it be nicer of a ride? Yes, but you don't need it. So, and... I guess whenever I sold bikes to people, because I, despite this approach, I was the number one seller in my store. So don't get it twisted. I was also sales manager at one point. I got promoted. But to say, 
there was no pressure because I felt like my job was to inform because again I had these references and the people like Jose who had that similar approach to me that it just all I needed was I wanted people to make a well-informed decision whether that was buying the four thousand dollar bmc from me or not like you do you ain't no commission here so i'm gonna get paid regardless so but the reason why i work at a bike shop is because i want to connect people to the right bike that will let them go on to their next adventure so oh next adventure is a story in portland too anyway um so that is the point do you with whatever bike you got it might be better with another bike but you'll be all right without it it just might be you know it is what it is um okay so <clears throat> I'm gonna stop you there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You went from your Peugeot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that your mama got from someone who unfortunately ain't like Gloria Esther. They ain't having now or wherever they believe they be. Mm-hmm. And then you got on the internet and connected with the people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you got the bigger bike. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because when you was on a smaller bike, the people were nice to you mm-hmm. and, and, and patient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Very much so. And then you got the bigger bike, and then you met the other people. I actually never did a group ride when I had the smaller bike. Um, so you met the we person. never made it to the Wee Bike ride, because Laura, she needed, she to, needed eat. to eat. Yes. So we never made it. But regardless, the community was nice to me whenever I engaged them online. That is important. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Peugeot, Kimberly, we're going to give her credit. Hey, girl. And that got you to the point where you... Got a big girl bike, mm-hmm. met we bike, mm-hmm. did the five borough, mm-hmm. felt real good, mm-hmm. kept riding some more, and the road to Brooklyn all the damn time because all the events were in Brooklyn. Yeah, they were, they were. But I got stronger for it. You should see my stride in twenty twelve, yo. <laughs> so then you did the century. Mm-hmm. Same year. This was all within. This was all within thirteen months because the I want to say the roller derby was either July or August of twenty eleven. So it would have been with all within 14 months. Wow. Yeah, my progression was fast. And actually, by in, in 2012, I wound up buying two bikes because I bought BFG in March, March 30th. And then for my birthday, which was in November, I bought Ernie Jr. the third. Oh, and then in 2014 is when I bought the Bevington. Shout out to William Bevington. Okay, yes. so, yes. <laughs> um. So w- this is the story of how Laura got into bikes. This ain't Laura's full bike story. Nah. This is just the beginning. That's, and that's we ain't got time yeah, for the rest. Apparently not, yo. This is, the sun is setting, yo. We got, people got things to do. That's damn right. Wow. It was nice to go down memory lane again. Because right now, my story is, I haven't ridden a bike for longer than 10 miles in over a year. But I work on bikes every single week. And there are currently eight to nine bikes in my apartment. But... That's as far as that goes for me right now. I don't, I'm not actively riding on a bike, but I'm going to New York later this week. And sure enough, I, I shipped my bike there because it's home. And that's like for me to experience home properly, I need to have my bike with me. And so how, why do you think you don't ride much anymore? I don't have a community here. Or when you say I don't have a community here, there's no black people. Okay. Mm, sorry. That's not correct. There are fewer brown people on bikes in Portland and this is not to say that there aren't multiple events on a bike in Portland absolutely there are tons because it's Portland but the faces are primarily white and that is now to an extent a barrier 
because me for me riding bikes is about building community and my stronger desire is to build community with people of color and therefore riding a bike doesn't get me to that end i have other ways to build community with people of color so the bike is no longer a tool that does that for me okay well thank you for your time for sure is there if you could leave the people with one sentence because i know you could talk (laughs) one thing just one thing to people who are considering riding bicycles specifically folks that look like us women that look like us Mm -hmm. and we don't look exactly the same no it's a spectrum yes 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 even though some people think we're the same person but that's not jeremy hercules (laughs) Ooh, i just gave him a straight damn i ain't gonna even cut it out (laughs) he deserved it he officiated my wedding, so we t- we cool. You even, but we still get, yeah, we still mad about that. Come on, Jerry. Okay, one thing. What's the first thing that popped into your head? Start where you are. Okay, that's really good. Start where you are. I love it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye, Laura Salise. Bye. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to this audio chapter of Quick Brown Foxes featuring my biffle, Laura Solis. If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on the appropriate article at aquickbrownfox.com, on my Instagram post at A-Y-E-S-U-P-P-O-S-E, or while you're showing your support at patreon.com slash aquickbrownfox.